0: Another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan and Jalen, unfortunately, is not going to be here today. He had to go deal with a family matter. I hope everything is okay and I wish him all the best. But today, we have a great episode lined up for you today. We are going to dive back into the WNBA. So recently, the WNBA began their season. It was actually Friday, May 6th, when some games kicked off. But... We have a lot to talk about with the season. We're actually going to be doing more of a breakdown instead of a preview, given the season has already started. But a lot of topics to get into, and we could not do this one alone. Please welcome back to the podcast, from WNBA fans only, Carson Hewley. Carson, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good. It's good to be back on. We were just talking... Before we we got recording here, that it's it's been quite a quite a bit of time, like almost a year since we last talked. Um, I, I wish we we could have the both of you on on here. The you guys just do such a good job, and um, I, I really enjoy listening. Like I I was telling you before too, you've had one of my friends on from G League TV, Jeffrey, and um, I don't know, you guys just always do a really good job. But I'm very happy to be talking to you today, Ryan. Um, you, you lined up some great questions and you know your stuff for sure. So I'm, I'm excited to talk about the, the WNBA today because it's um, just getting kicked off. Some teams have played one, ga- one game, some teams have played two or three. So we're kind of in this beginning stages of the season and there's definitely a lot to be talking
0: about. First of all, I appreciate the support from you, Carson, because uh, Jalen and I love your fan page. WNBA fans only check it out on Instagram we will put the link to the description in the page down low as well Carson does a great job covering the WNBA on a consistent basis and he's also gotten to meet some of the players Carson who have you who have you been able to meet
1: yeah so last year um I got to meet Sue Bird and Brianna Stewart um that was after the Lynx storm game and so that, that was a lot of fun too, is like, uh, Katie Lou Samuelson and, uh, Lasia Clarendon and, um, uh, Sue and, uh, Stewie were all out there and I got to talk with them for, for a little bit and take some pictures. And then, um, later on in the season, um, I met Sammy Whit- Whitcomb, um, uh, from the New York Liberty and I know we'll, we'll be talking about all these players, um, to later more in depth, but, um she was great and she's someone that's really found a nice spot for her in this league, uh, with that Liberty squad. And then probably the biggest one. someone I wanted to meet for a long time was, uh, Candace Parker. Um, so that was, that was huge because not only am I a fan of her game and this was actually pre championship run. I went to the playoff game. That they beat the, the Lynx at, and that's what really, they just peaked at the right time last season. Um, and so it was really cool because I got to meet her. And then now her actually now wife too at the time. Um, I don't think anyone really knew that they um, were engaged or anything like that. And she was actually the one that took the picture and she was really nice too. So shout out to to Anna. She was, she was a lot of, um, she's super, super nice. And she follows the fan page and everything like that. So anyways, um, Candace was a huge one for me because she, um, not only is she just a great player, but I love her commentary. She's just, she's on NBA TV. She did a lot of stuff for March Madness and then she's on TNT as well. So that was amazing because I look up to her in a couple of different facets, but that's like the handful of people I've met so far. And then some other people here and there, but man, it was, it's been so much fun to meet the, all these ladies. And they are incredibly nice too. I mean, I I couldn't have better experiences with them. Like no ego whatsoever. Always just super nice to talk, willing to take pictures. Um, they're just great people.
0: Yeah, and yeah, you, know, you you were also able to go to a WNBA playoff game with the Minnesota Lynx, so that was that was a great experience. Um, from what we were talking about before the pod started, but getting into some of these WNBA topics, one of the big topics that um, that people were talking about before the season was the amount of players that were released before the season. And it went from top draft picks to players who have been on their their teams for a while. Looking at some of the top draft picks that were released, Maya Hollingshed, who was the eighth overall pick, was released. You look at some of these other players, Mariah Jefferson, Jasmine Jones, just a couple of the names that were released as well. Carson, what are your thoughts on the releases of some of these top players?
1: Yeah, um it's it's this really weird spot that the league is in right now where it's almost not like a should we expand or um should we maybe add another team it's like we need to because there's a lot of talented people that are getting cut and not only are they getting out of a job where now they have to go overseas and now they can't see their family and they have to make these tough decisions. Um this is also just be a good good for the league um from a money point of view, because now um, you have other teams competing. And um, if you were to expand the league and get other cities involved too, then that, that creates more for the league. So we're getting to this point where where now we need to obviously expand expand the league so that there should be no reason that the number eight overall pick doesn't make the team. And I watched Maya uh, Hollingshed in the preseason game against the Lynx. They used to play the Lynx, and she – I just – I was courtside. So I got to see her like right there and she just great wingspan, great defender. She's a capable shooter. I, there was not one thought in my mind of like, she's not going to make this roster. Um, and I'm from Colorado as well. So I, she went to see you and I don't know, man, it was just like when I saw that she was get, getting waved and that, that was really the first of a lot. Cause um, I found this stat actually with the, with the draft picks, which was just crazy. Um, 17 of the 36, made a roster. So, not not great at math, but we don't really want to be around that uh 50% range that end up making a roster. Like you look at compared to an NBA NBA uh draft, you know, the percentage is far higher. I mean, if if a guy doesn't make it a roster that gets drafted, it's like almost unheard of. So, that that's just insane and then you factor in on top of that too people that have been in the league for maybe a year or two, such as like a crystal Dangerfield, who was the rookie of the year, two seasons ago. And then the links waiver. Um, this is, I mean, we're talking about really good players, not just like, Oh, they could be on a roster. Like we're talking about players that can make this league uh, profitable. And now they just have to sit at home or go overseas. So lots of issues there. I'm actually curious to hear your point of view on this, this too. Um, Cause there's there's definitely a decision that has to be made where you know we can get these get these girls on teams
0: I think the first idea when I saw all of the releases was that I think the WNBA are planning to expand but they don't know where yet and that that's something we're going to transition to but I just think right now it's a bit baffling that this many talented players have been released in such a short span of time like I think uh you, know, you, you brought up the stat that 17 of the 36 draft picks did not make the WNBA roster. That's way too many. You know, you, you said that 50% range, I think it's unacceptable that, um, that that amount of players have not been able to make a roster given what they were able to show in college or even overseas for some of the international players. But I think with that idea that you know, so many draft picks have been released. And then you talk about some of these other players that were released too. Jasmine Jones, Crystal Dangerfield, like you mentioned earlier, Crystal Dangerfield was the rookie of the year in 2020. Although she didn't have a great season last year, I don't think that was cause for her to be released, but let's kind of move to the idea of expansion because I want to bring up a couple of places that used to have WNBA teams. We have Charlotte who had the Charlotte sting Cleveland, the Cleveland rockers, Miami, they had the Miami Soul. Portland, they had the Portland Fire. Sacramento, they had the Sacramento Monarchs. And then the most notable one out of this group, the Houston Comets, who were the first team in WNBA history to win the championship, but they won it for three, uh, for four years straight. Um, So, Carson, I want to get your thoughts on some cities that could potentially have a WNBA team, but. You know, cities that could also bring back a WNBA team, like a like a Detroit Shock or a uh, Houston, like I mentioned earlier.
1: Right. Yeah. No. It's it's a really tough decision to make. Uh, you know, as we were talking about some players I, I've met, this doesn't really count as part of players, but actually, about two months ago, it was uh, uh, March Madness. Uh, Kathy Engelbert, the as uh, the commissioner in the WNBA, she she came um to the final four. And then I actually got to ask her a few questions. Um and you know that question always comes up. And I think that for her right now, um amongst a plethora of decisions that she has has to make, that's the number one decision about where this team is going to be. Because you could expand the league and add a team um, or two teams and then the location that those teams are in are not good places and then you know you've got arenas that are you know 25% full 30% full and they can't get a good fan base going so it's important to put put these teams in good locations. So I guess to answer your question um I I would say uh, of places that there used to be teams in um I think somewhere in Texas would be fun it doesn't have to be you know Houston again but I think that there is you know, at least some rapport there from uh, from the previous franchise being there. So I think I think that would be interesting. I know we just had San Antonio there, and then they moved to uh, to Vegas. Um, but I think somewhere there, just because there is so many people and it is such a sports culture, and then I guess from a place that hasn't had a WNBA team, um, I'm from Colorado, so I, I have to say Denver because I think that would be fun. And I think you could kind of play off of it, like with the Nuggets too. And I'd like to see kind of a cool conceptual idea with kind of that that baby blue and you know Nuggets theme type thing, where you could um, you've seen how successful that's been with the Mercury and the Suns, where where then you have their players going to their games and they pack it out, and they've got a great team, of course too. But I'd like that, so there's some rapport between an NBA and a WNBA, so they're not just all off on their own.
0: Um, That's kind of what comes to mind for me. I think those are those are two pretty good places. San Antonio is a team that uh, succeeded um, in San Anto- in uh, San Antonio for a long time when Becky Hammond was there, and I think that was that was the trade that kind of put San Antonio on the map. And you know there were multiple years where they came very close to winning the WNBA championship with Becky Hammond as their star point guard. But then you look at this other this other location in Denver. I think that's a, another really interesting location because. You already have a, an NBA team there, and the idea of rapport that you brought up uh, between NBA and WNBA players—I think that would be a nice city to try out because it's it's new. They've never they've never been to Denver before, so I think that that idea—I think that could be a I think that could be a, a good concept.
1: Yeah, no, I, I I see too another element to it as well, where you want to try and put these teams and cities that you know, politically, I think, aren't super confined to, like, let's just not expand and be progressive with women's sports. I think you need to get in cities where they are relatively progressive. I mean, I'm the, this is not to make it political at all, but I'm sure that's going that's factoring into their mindset right now, where it's like we don't want to put this, this team in a place where, you know – you see all the comments on Instagram and all that type of stuff where their mindset is like, there shouldn't even be a WNBA or like the league's not profitable. They should, they, they can't even dunk or people that are really stuck in that stage. But if you go to a place, um, that that really respects women's basketball or women's sports in general, I think you're going to see some success. So that's why it is a big, big
0: decision because it could go terribly wrong if if you pick the wrong city. Yeah. And transitioning to, uh, my ideas for places I would put WNBA teams the first one that comes to mind is Sacramento I think the Sacramento Monarchs were one of the top WNBA teams they were actually one of the first WNBA teams to debut in 1997 and other than the Houston Comets they were the other debut franchise to win a championship they won in 2005 with that great team I think that that would be a great city to put a WNBA team in I think another place where I would put one that uh, hasn't really been considered yet, I would probably say is Philadelphia. I think Philadelphia has an interesting fan base. Um, I think it's another market that they haven't tested out yet. And I I think I would say either Philadelphia or even expand abroad um, into Canada and put a team in Toronto because uh, there's a lot of support for putting a WNBA team in Toronto, mainly Drake really wants a team there as well. So I think uh, those are two places that could uh, see WNBA teams in the future.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree that I'm glad that you brought up uh, Toronto, cause that's thinking a little bit out of the box. Um, but NBA is the NBA has carved that pathway where it, it is definitely reasonable to have a team outside of the, you know, the country to, um, to do that just with the, with the Raptors success, you know, not only just being as, you know, they started out and it it was a struggle at first and they built it all the way to winning a championship a few years ago. And there's no reason that they can't do the same with the WNBA and behind Drake support. Um, You know, you need investors and you need big names to start off any, any uh, of these franchises right now. You're seeing the same thing happen with women's soccer with, you know, a lot of, uh celebrities kind of getting behind teams like such as Natalie Portman and stuff like that's the way to do it right now. You just need big names and investors and people to kind of lead the way there. And I think that if Drake could get something done, that would be great. Um, And then I think on top of that too, what you said with Sacramento, I think anywhere kind of in that, in that region too, like uh, from the people that I've seen pose this question on social media, a lot of people are saying Oakland just because Oakland already has such a great fan base with the Warriors you just you know like we were saying with with rapport I mean you get Steph Curry and Clay at these games and saying like let's pack the house like come on like I, I think that that's that's very reasonable so yeah I think that that th- those are two other great ones I mean we could talk about this for a while but those are two great great picks
0: yeah I think I think the Warriors one's interesting too because they have their fan base they, they built a good rapport with the franchise and I think that that Golden State could be a very interesting location as well because of that, that connection that the fans have with the Warriors. And I think that the fans could be able to embrace another basketball team in Golden State. Let's move on to the 12 WNBA teams that we're going to be talking about, first starting with the Eastern Conference. I want to start out with the Indiana Fever because this is a team that was one of the biggest winners in the WNBA draft with the amount of talent they acquired out of the rookies that they drafted, which rookie do you think could have the biggest impact this season?
1: Yeah. So this was crazy on, on,
0: on draft night. Um,
1: they had four, uh, four first round draft picks, and then they had a second round draft pick. And for your question, their second round draft pick might even be the, the, the best out of, out of the five that they drafted, um, with Destiny Anderson. So, um, as of right now, Melissa Smith, who they picked second overall, has had the most success um, because, as we know, like in this league, you need, you need bigs, you need power forwards or centers. Um, as height is, is tough to come by in, in, in the league, you have a lot of guard play. But, man, at the same time, uh, Destiny Henderson is, has really done well. She's like the third leading scorer right now on the team. She just had a great game um, yesterday. Um, so she's really exciting to watch and she had a great run within the, um, uh, tournament, um, and, you know, brought a championship home with, with Dawn uh, Staley. So she's always had the support behind her and learned from one of the greats. So, um, between those two, I think that that's, that's, that's great. There was definitely a lot of, I don't know, Reserve with Lexi being pick six. I think that that was a little bit of recency effect because she just, like I said, with the tournament, this happens in the NBA as well. A lot of scouts, you know, are there and they're watching and Lexi, you know, she, um, shot the ball on everything. And so far, um, she's, she's struggling right now. So, um, I, I got my eye on her because the league needs shooters and she's very, very capable She's about 6162. Um I like what she did at, you know, Stanford. So I really want to keep my eyes on her, but right now she's struggling and I think that, she, you know, Destiny Henderson easily could have been picked in that sixth slot. And um and instead of instead of her, but nevertheless, they've got some young talent coming up um, that I'm excited to see progress for sure.
0: Yeah, and it's interesting that we start with Indiana first because You know, they were one of the worst teams in the WNBA last year. It seemed like this team didn't have a direction. And last year they picked Kaiser Gondrasek, fourth overall. And it was an interesting pick because she was not on a lot of draft boards, especially on the first round. And she ended up getting selected with the fourth overall pick, mainly because of her shooting ability coming out of West Virginia. And she was actually released by uh, the Indiana Fever not too long before the season started. So it it was interesting to see what direction they would go with this draft, and it just seemed like Indiana kept picking up a lot of the best players in college basketball. You know, you talk about Nelissa Smith, great player so far this season, 26 points and 22 rebounds in her two games against the Mystics and the Sparks. You look at Destiny Henderson as well, 19 points coming off the bench against the Sparks, and... You know, you you bring in these two talented players, I think they'll make an impact easily for the Fever. But I want to give you a name to watch out for. Emily Anxler. She was the fourth overall pick. Um, she's She's just a great defensive player. I think she can get steals. She can get blocks. You know, she plays great defense on the perimeter. She's actually one of the best defenders coming out of the ACC into this draft as well, coming out of Louisville. So I think her defense... Her defensive versatility, I think, will make Indiana a dangerous team down the road, especially with all the other draft picks developing.
1: Yeah, I I definitely want to watch out for her because as of right now, she's she's brought in good production, primarily kind of coming off the, off the bench. But she she's definitely a piece that um, I I could see just continuing to improve throughout the season. As of right now, you know, fifteen minutes a game, she's she's averaging almost eight eight rebounds a game. She's uh, she's blocking almost two shots a game. So exactly like you said, um, she's kind of a defensive anchor. And um, you know, like I like I said as well, like so many guards in this league, if you can kind of develop some of these some of these bigs and create them to be versatile, um, that's huge. So yeah, definitely going to be watching out for, for Emily. I was impressed with her on, on draft night, doing some research and, and learning more about her. But I think that she, you know, she'll have a have a long time in this in in this league if she can you know continue to to develop but already in limited minutes she's doing well
0: yeah and then a, a quick thought on Lexi Hall as well I thought she was a great player coming out of Stanford I think what really brought her into that first round conversation uh at pick number six was her shooting ability she was able to shoot the ball pretty consistent uh shoot the ball consistently from the field and from three hopefully she's able to get it hopefully she's able to fix her shooting. Right. Right. No, I'm excited to see, see her. I mean,
1: when I, when I played basketball throughout college, I mean, I was a, I was a shooter. So if you go through some, some changes, she's probably started her entire life. And then you go to the WNBA and she's, she's uh, I think she started her first, first game. She might've started her second game too, but you're playing limited minutes. I think she's like around that like 10 to 11 minutes a game region and that can play mental games with you and so i see i see that point of view from things too so i you know as long as she sticks with it and the organization does well to develop her and and keep her going um she could have su- some success because shooters whether it's the nba WNBA, overseas college you need shooters
0: it's it's mandatory and so i think that she can have some success for sure So transitioning to our next team in the Eastern Conference, we're going to talk about the New York Liberty. Last year, the New York Liberty, they became a playoff team. They actually went from the worst record in the league to a playoff team. And you know the the biggest issues that I saw from this team, and and maybe Carson, you might agree with me on this, injuries and turnovers. And Sabrina Inescu was hurt through most of the season. Natasha Howard missed a lot of time as well. They also have a new coach this year in Sandy Brondello uh, who just went to the finals with Phoenix. So do you think that this team can exceed the expectations with a uh, Sandy Brondello as their new coach? And do you think the first game showed any indications?
1: Yeah. I mean, huge first game. You're playing against the reigning MVP and John Quill Jones and, you know, Connecticut, a team that really, they've got to prove themselves because, um, Last year they come in and I, th- I think that they were a favorite for a lot of people to go and win the championship and um, didn't didn't prove prove that to, to be true and then this season it's the same thing and they come out their first game and really get beat by a, a New York Liberty team that doesn't even have arguably their best player um, back yet. and DD Richards as well The you know is a, is a good player as well. they end up winning winning by two in that first game uh as I said without uh Laney and without uh D Richards. So that that was a great great start to the season for them. Uh Serena and finishes with 25 points, six assists, you know, two steals. She just kind of dominated that whole game if you watched it. And uh she was great. But I love the pieces that they have around this team and then adding Sandy as a coach with championship experience. Um, I like what they have. Um, Mikayla is coming off the bench from that first game. I think that they might try and keep that the same, uh, throughout the season, which would be great. Having a talented, really, really talented player like that coming off the bench would be huge for them. Um, but I think a underrated pickup throughout the off season was, uh, Stephanie Dolson. She comes off winning a championship. Um, between her and then I think Natasha Howard, Natasha Howard's like one of my favorite underrated players in the league who also has championship experience. Um, did a really good job on John Jones, um, that first game. So I really like what I saw, um, through that first game. Um, Connecticut almost had like all their players too. So, uh, the Liberty looking pretty good. And I'd like to see what happens when you, you know, you throw, uh, laney and uh, dd richards back into the mix as well
0: yeah i think you know you look at the the liberty right now i think sabrina looked a lot like her old self back at oregon with her ability to score almost uh almost effortlessly out there with her performance out there 25.6 assists like you mentioned earlier another player that i was i was surprised by in their first game was lorella cuba Another draft pick for the New York Liberty, another great defensive player coming out of the ACC at Georgia Tech. She has the potential to be a lot like Emily Inkster, like we were mentioning mentioning earlier, as a defensive stopper. I think that could be huge down the line. And I, I'm more interested to see the pairing on the court but with Natasha Howard and Stephanie Dolson. Natasha Howard was playing a lot of minutes last year at center. So I'm more interested to see the chemistry between Dolson and, and Natasha Howard. Another good sign, though, to see from this team was Asia Durr returning to the court in almost two years. She did not play a lot of minutes, but it was great to see her back out there.
1: Yep, and then you also have to remember, too, that um, Becca Allen, um, she's fulfilling her her, um, overseas commitment. So, you know, she's a great shooter, but then someone I don't want to forget forget to mention who last played with uh the Liberty back in two thousand nineteen is Han Zhu, who's really, really interesting. She's nearly seven foot, um, from China. Um, and like I said, she last played for them in two thousand nineteen and um we'll see we'll see what they what they end up uh doing with her, but definitely someone to watch out for kind of this league's like Boban Marjanovic type where it's just like, how are you going to be able to guard that probably more limited minutes where you can throw them in for six, seven minutes and it completely tears up the, the opposing team's defensive, you know, mindset. So I'd like to see what they end up doing with
0: her. I'm interested to see what kind of production she will have on the court as well. I think that she could be a player that could end up being just a, like an interior force down low. Um, for years to come. So I think that's going to be really interesting, but I think big things for uh, this New York Liberty team, because last year we kind of saw a little bit of those expectations. I actually had them going to the WNB finals last year with the amount of talent that they had. I think they will be able to meet those expectations. If the entire team is healthy though, because that's a big factor moving on to the next team, the Washington mystics, this was another team that battled injuries, much like the New York Liberty. Last year, Elena Deladon did not play the entire season. She did come back for the late portion, but we also didn't see Alicia Clark at all last season. She ended up tearing her ACL. I thought she was a great three-point shooter for the Seattle Storm, also another great defender, missing all of last season. So what will this team look like with a fully healthy Elena Deladon and Alicia Clark? Do you think that this team is a playoff contender?
1: Yeah, no, I think I think the sky's the limit for for this for this team. I actually just just watched them play um, their second game of the season without Elena Deladon um, uh, against the Lynx. That was the Lynx season opener, and they ha- they literally had eight players, and two of them were coming off the bench were Machita, Machida um, and another, which is crazy. I've just kind of been obsessed with her 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 background which is K- katie Benson. uh so they had two players that are about five four coming off the bench and they just absolutely smoked the links um which was just crazy to, crazy to see so they've got a lot of youth on, on on this team kind of coming off the bench as far as some new people but then they've got some great experience too um with championship experience like alicia clark and elena daladon and um and whatnot so I I love their roster. I think that this could easily be a championship con- contender if they stay healthy. Um, I think that they can get some stuff done. Say, for instance, if Elena Deladon, like, God forbid that she does get injured or something like that, um, because they, they have a lot of depth. Um, Natasha Cloud looks completely new. She's, as she said multiple times, that she's a shooter now. Um, and that's true. I mean, she she's shooting it really well so far. She's in COVID. Uh, she tested positive for COVID uh, yesterday. And that's a whole other topic to talk about as well. But she looks great. I think my favorite on the team, though, is Ariel Adkins. Uh, lefty that can just absolutely shoot it, knockdown shooter. Um, they just have so many pieces on this team. And like I mentioned before, uh, um, from, from Japan, kind of just like a fan favorite over there comes in and she's been doing some great things too. She can just, she's an incredible passer. Um, so that was a great pickup too. And then I think once, um, Alicia Clark comes back and is fully healthy, easily a championship contender team if they stay healthy.
0: Yeah, and that and that's another big factor with this team is, is health because last year they were battling injuries um, throughout the season. At one point, they only played seven players, and you know this team definitely it, it was definitely an uphill battle for this team last year. But you know you get Elena Deladon back, looked great in her first game with twenty one points, definitely looked like her old self. But Natasha Cloud, I think, could be a big player, a, a big time player on this team if she continues to shoot the ball the way that she's been shooting it. And it just seems like a complete 180 from the Natasha Cloud that we saw last year. It didn't seem like she was herself last year. And now she's going out there, like you said, like you said, Carson, she's a shooter. And she's really showing it. 36 points in their two wins, co- uh, combined in their two wins. Another player that I'm really interested to see is Shakira Austin. She was a great player coming out of college. She averaged 15 points um, coming out of Ole Miss, actually used to play for Maryland. But then transferred. She also recorded her first double double in her second game. Thirteen points, ten rebounds versus the Lynx in that game that you mentioned earlier. I think that she has a lot of potential.
1: I do too. Yeah, I'm glad that you brought Shakira up because you know, we've already talked about a lot of the draft picks that did get waived. And then you've got, you know, a high profile draft pick like Shakira Austin that gets an opportunity in her second game of the season to start against Sylvia Fowles, arguably the best center of all time. And she really, she went in there and she looked incredibly confident. And I think that's something that Shakira has is that she's she's confident. Um, but yeah, picking up a double-double that fast. And then now I think that you'll see her when this team is completely healthy, kind of coming off the bench as well. But to see like, hey, if we have a few players that we lose due to health and safety protocols or maybe injury, Shakira can go in there and there's not going to be much drop-off. So I'm really glad that you brought her up. I was incredibly impressed with her. She's got length. Um, she's going to be a force in this league. Um, if she continues to develop and I think even get a little bit more of an outside shot, she's proven to show a little bit of mid-range, But,
0: man, she's going to be really tough to stop in, in, in the years, years in the future. I think the other thing to factor in with this team is that in free agency, they lost uh, Tina Charles, and they also lost Emma Mieseman, two great players for this team. Tina Charles was actually an MVP candidate for most of the season last year. So I think that's a huge loss. I think if Shakira can come right in and exceed expectations and play up to the potential of a, of a top draft pick, Washington may have, may have found themselves a winner in the draft with, with Shakira Austin. But speaking of winners, moving on to the championship team, last season with the Chicago Sky. They won their first WNBA championship last season. However, in their first game of the season, they they lost on a foul call to the Sparks. It was a controversial foul call with with 1.5 seconds to go. Um, I want to get your thoughts first on the game itself against the Sparks. Other than the foul call, what do you think contributed to Chicago's loss to the Sparks?
1: Well, it it was an interesting game because you've got – We'll get into the, the sparks a little bit later, but you've got a, kind of this new look sparks team. So they're much improved. It's not like they lost their first game to the to the sparks of last year. That would probably be a little bit you know kind of concerning um, to start the season off that way. Um, but they've got a few pieces that that moved around. Most notably, I'd say uh, Diamond is Shields, that you know is now now a member of the Mercury, um, and then Clay Copper. Um, they're they're waiting on as well with her her overseas commitment so not a complete team quite yet Um, and I also have to mention Stephanie Dolson because she was a big part of that championship team as well as now at the Liberty so they've got a few pieces that are that are moving around so it's trying to find that chemistry Um, and then Candace Parker did play well but I think she can play, you know, even better, even though it was against her former team because she just got out of um, she actually it wasn't talked about a, a whole heck of a lot, but she was uh, positive for COVID. And then I think she only was in training camp for like two days or something. So probably just finding that mixture a little bit, getting that chemistry back. But the Sparks are a lot better of a team than last year, and they're going to be exciting to watch. Um but, yeah, so it's just kind of getting that, that complete chemistry back and finding um, what this new team is like in their identity because it's going to be different than last year's uh, team. But hopefully that they can have a better start to the season than they did last year because it took them a while to find
0: that. I think the interesting thing, too, with the Chicago Sky team last year, Candace Parker missed a lot of time early in the season. I think she only played uh, the first game. She missed a stretch of games. and. It affected the team because I think the team only won two games to start the season. It was a it was a, a a nine game stretch where the team started two and seven before Candace Parker got back. So I think that definitely contributed to their bad start last year. But you know they were able to turn around the end of the season and eventually win a championship. But looking at this game, one of the big things that stood out to me was the play of a uh, Dana Evans who was actually traded. Last year, from Dallas to Chicago, it was a, a, a first-round pick uh, trade swap with Shyla Heal going to the Dallas Wings, um, but she had a great game. I think she had the best game of her career so far t- with uh, 24 points, five assists, and four steals, and I think that late foul call on Evans, that changed the course of the game, and it definitely did not look like that there was a foul on Dana Evans, but they ended up getting the call on Evans. And um, yeah, that, that ended up weighing the game for the Los Angeles Sparks. But I think another thing that really contributed to that loss was the 25 turnovers. And I think if they were able to limit their turnovers, that definitely would have changed the course of the game in favor of Chicago.
1: No, I completely agree. There's definitely some things that they're going to have to, uh, to clean up here throughout the season, um, but, you know, having another contributor like, um, Evans, as you mentioned is, is huge, um, to have her, you know, score 24 points. Um, and then, uh, additionally, we were mentioned her a little bit before, but Emma Meesman, a proven pro within this league, um, you know, had a pretty good, pretty good game with 12 points, eight rebounds, five assists. Um, I'm excited to kind of see the chemistry between her and, uh, Candace Parker and see the way that she develops um, throughout this season, because um, like I said, she's a proven pro.
0: I want to also get your thoughts on the Chicago sky team this year, outside of the first game of the season, because the first game, it doesn't tell you a lot uh, about the rest of the season. And of course, we mentioned, you mentioned earlier, Kalia Copper is overseas with her overseas commitment and that's going to be a factor with a lot of the teams that we talk talk about today because a lot of the players on their current teams are overseas with their overseas commitment. But looking at the Chicago Sky this year, what do you think they have to do in order to get back to the WNBA championship and potentially win the championship again?
1: Yeah, so I think when they when they have their, their full roster back with Copper and then Quigley didn't play in that first game as well um, – I think it's just everyone buying into their roles, and that's why they were so successful last year. They had so many veterans that have been in this league for long enough that set Ego aside. Um, you know, it wasn't even like Candace Parker. I mean, she had a good season last year, but it wasn't like this just dominating presence, like 30 points, 15 rebounds, you know, 20 assists, like mind-blowing numbers. She just played a role. I mean, that was a huge part of why they why they won. And so if they can kind of replicate the same thing where they can play their roles and it's very easy for this team to do this because like Banner slew, that's kind of her, her mindset, you know, right away, she wants to get people involved. She wants to pass the ball and make, make open shots when she has them Quigley wants to be the, you know, the catch and shoot player that she is. And so I think as long as they set egos aside and people buy into their roles, um, they're going to be just fine. And they've got a proven coach, um, and wade and um this organization they they have a championship behind them and um i can't see any bad blood in the locker room or people demanding trades or anything like that they're i think they're going to be just just fine um if you know everyone buys into their respective roles
0: i think that's a great point that you made because you look at the chicago sky team this is a team filled with proven veterans this is a team with great players with a lot of experience, Candace Parker, Courtney VanderSloot, Allie Quigley. And then you also have uh, Emma Miesema as well, who they acquired from Washington. I think if you get these younger players to step up and buy into their scheme, I think that would be another great, another great thing for Chicago as a potential factor uh, for them getting back to the championship. But I think something you mentioned earlier is chemistry. I think a lot of these newer players, they have to buy into the philosophy for the Chicago Sky, So definitely a great point that you made um, with Chicago. So let's move on now to our next team, next Eastern conference team. We're going to talk about the Connecticut sun, a team that had a great start to the season last year and actually finished as one of the top teams in the WNBA last year. And much like the Liberty, the sun made an impressive turnaround in the last two years in the 2020 season. They were the seventh seed. They become one of the top teams in the league last year. Um, they currently have one of the best odds to walk away with the championship this season outside of the Las Vegas Aces. So, Carson, what do they have to do this season to put themselves in a position to win a championship?
1: Yeah, I mean, having arguably the best player in the league is always going to put you in a position to uh, to at least make the playoffs um, and find good footing, uh, at, at, least, at least there. So as a, you know, as a Denver basketball fan, the same thing kind of happened with, with Jokic this year where it's like, you know, you're going to make the playoffs and that's great. The worst thing that can happen is being content with being uh, an above 500 team and just kind of sitting there. And I think that they have, they have the pieces um, to make a championship run. And I'd like to see, as we said, it's so early right now within the season. I'd like to see what can happen if they if they want to pick up some other players because I think that they're about one other player, notably a shooter, away from from winning a championship. Because it's a tough task, especially when you've got 12 teams that know know everything about each other. I think it's a tough task um, when it's like, hey, we can just kind of let this. We can sit back and let this team team shoot, let's double down on John Quell on the post, you know, whatever the scheme may be for some of these teams um, I think is tough. So the more you can play them honest and get another shooter out there, I think is good. So I'd be, i really excited to see if like they change anything with this roster right now, as it is right now, they could easily make it to the finals if they peak at the right time. But um, as I said earlier, I think that they're just like one other piece away. It'd be cool to see if they could, you know, kind of pick, pick someone up, um whether that be through some of the people that um are pre-agents now because they got waived or you know through a trade or something like that so we'll have to see what what happens there but what are your thoughts there
0: I think this is a team that is so close to breaking that glass ceiling I think I think you you're right with the idea that they're one player away and I think it's important to note that DeWanda Bonner is fulfilling an overseas commitment. Also, Courtney Williams, who they acquired from the, Atlanta, from the Atlanta Dream, she's actually suspended for the first two games of the WNBA season. So I think that's another player that could factor into them uh, potentially getting to the WNBA championship. I think the idea of them grabbing a shooter would be interesting. I know Natisha Heidemann; she was a great shooter coming off the bench last season, especially early on. She definitely showed a lot of promise. With her being able to efficiently shoot the ball from three, but I want to get your—I'll throw it back to you in this way because there's that, that one missing piece that they have uh, for the Connecticut Sun or to get back to the WNBA championship. Who's a player that could fit that that scheme? Who's a player that could be a potential option for the Connecticut Sun to look at at the deadline or or uh, through free agency? Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. Um,
1: you did mention, you know, Courtney, and so it'll be interesting when, when she comes back to see how she kind of fits through this because she had, she is not a proven, you know, shooter um, throughout these past few years. That's not predominantly her role there. Um, she does like off the dribble, and um, she's a shot creator. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens when she comes back. Uh, Duana Bonner is also a cap- capable shooter. That's not her primary role, though, too. Um, you know, I would like to because I'm I'm watching this Lynx team obviously a lot, and I'm like there something's gonna go down with some of the pieces that they have, and I think two pieces that they have that could potentially be interesting to see within within a trade. I don't know if it'll happen or not. All theoretical is uh, either Rachel Banham or Ariel Powers. Those are two players that I think like they have some stock. Rachel's um, more of like a pure shooter, I would say, but then Ariel's pretty much anywhere. She likes her shots. There's not a shot that 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 girl doesn't like. So um, I would say either one of them would be interesting to see them in a Connecticut system. Like I said, all theoretical, but players like that, that are predominantly shooters. um, And I think that they'd have a little bit of a bigger role within their system. Um, So I'd like to see that. And, you know, Rachel, uh, that's who, you know, she's drafted by. So, um it'd be interesting to see her go go back there potentially, but all speculation
0: at this point. Those are two pretty good names. I, I would say the most likely of the two would be Rachel Bannum. Um I definitely think that with the way Minnesota has started their season, this is the second year in a row, by the way, where they started um winless in their first three games. And that's something we're going to get into later, but maybe that's maybe there's there's something there that could potentially happen with a trade. Um, I would love to see them go after some of these first year and second year players. Kiana Williams was a great shooter out of college from Stanford uh, when they went to the championship in uh, 2021. But I think the options are out there, especially, especially like we mentioned earlier with the amount of players that were waived um, earlier in the season, most of these players, first year, second year players, some of these other players, veterans. I think there's a lot of options for Connecticut to try to go after somebody.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think two other picks from, from last season, we already brought her up once is, uh, Gondrzyk who, you know, is on, on the table there. She was in the Chicago sky training camp. So we know that, you know, she was right on the cusp. I think she was one of the last cuts. And then, um, another person, uh, it was on the Dallas wings is, uh, Chelsea Dungy. And, you know, one of the best, college basketball scorers of all time in her in her senior year. We know that she can score the ball. We know that she can shoot. It's just all about system. Um and she really never, I thought, had a chance to prove herself within Dallas. So who knows? Some of those picks, they're great the the both of them at you know, Marquette and then Arkansas, great players. Great players that had a lot of free range and then really haven't had an opportunity to prove themselves within the WNBA. So those are two that also come to mind. But it's a it's a tough Tough question.
0: I would even throw out uh, another name in, in uh, Arela Garantes, who was recently waived from the uh, LA Sparks. I think, like, another one of those first year, second year players, I don't think she got the time to shine in Los Angeles. So, great players that we've mentioned, and hopefully Connecticut can look at some of these players and give them an opportunity. But moving on to our last Eastern Conference team, the Atlanta Dream. Last season, the dream, they struggled last season. They they dealt with a lot of off-the-court issues, and uh, you know, Courtney Williams ended up leaving the team. The big uh storyline from last season was the news with Kennedy Carter. And Kennedy Carter ended up requesting a trade as well. Brian Howard uh from Kentucky was selected with the number one overall pick. So there's a lot of moving pieces with this team. But Carson what direction do you see this team going in as they transition from one potential franchise player in Kennedy Carter to another in Ryan Howard?
1: Yeah, no, it's it's interesting. I think right now the number one uh idea for this for this franchise is to keep Ryan Howard happy. <laughs> and within her first game, you can already see that she's you know, she's gonna be a good pro, not just offensively. She finished the game with 16 points, which she was the leading scorer for the the team. She didn't shoot the ball particularly well, too. She shot four for 15. But defensively is what, like, stood out to me the most. She had four blocks, um, two steals, and she just – she's kind of interchangeable. Right now she's playing power forward, but, like, there's an argument to be made that she could could guard anyone from point guard all the way to center. Um, So kind of a generational talent in that regard. Um, so it looks like the pick, you know, is pretty good so far, um, but they've got some interesting pieces on this team, like Monique Billings, Erica Wheeler, um, Nick Coffee. Like these are all people that have, you know, that are relatively proven within this league. Um, so I, I really think it's just kind of continuing to develop that young core. But um, you know, they look relatively good within their first first game, but it's just keeping you know, Howard Happy, um, because I think that she is gonna be a, a great talent within this league and um she can she can do both. She can play offense and defense. So kinda interested to see how this this season goes, but um they've got some young talent that I think they need to continue to, to develop here.
0: Yeah, and you know, you talk about a lot of the younger players, Ryan Howard being one of them. Ari McDonald is another player that we really haven't seen a lot of last season. She was actually the third overall pick for the Atlanta dream last year. Um, Another great offensive scorer for this team. She can also shoot the ball pretty well coming out of Arizona. She's another player that I expect to see take a big leap from year one to year two in terms of production on the court. So I think it'll be interesting to see um, how she fits on this team, especially with the addition of Erica Wheeler coming over from Los Angeles but the one thing that was really interesting that stood out to me in the first game, holding the Dallas wings to 24% shooting from the field. I think you kind of see like a little bit of an identity with this team um, defensively with the way that they were able to contain Dallas on the offensive side.
1: Yeah, I completely agree. The identity is so big. We talked about it with the Chicago sky, how last year, um, I think when they were fully healthy, it, the identity was there. It was just like we're we're good, above average, pretty much at everything. So you're just gonna you're gonna have to play really really well to 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 beat us because we're 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 proven pros and um, we're gonna kind of just beat you mentally and physically because we know we know the way that this league works. But this team, they've got some young pieces, and they also have some some vets. But I think if they can kind of get this defensive prowess to them, uh, I like that you brought that up. I think that they could actually mix things up—not even in the future, but this season, they they could get some stuff done. So um, I think Ryan Howard probably lead that, like by example, as a, as a you know arguably one of the most talented picks in recent years. If she can kind of just show show her defensive prowess. I think that that will kind of lead the pack, but I'm glad that you brought that up because it's very true.
0: Yeah, and then you you look at the fact that they have a new coach now and Tanisha Wright. Um, I think this is the chance for Atlanta to kind of move forward in this new direction with Ryan Howard at the helm. They also have some uh, sneaky defenders as well with Wheeler and uh, Cooper. I think that the identity is starting to kind of set in. For Atlanta, and I, I'm really interested to see if they're a team um, that will go from worst to first at some point because they, they've had a great start to the, to the season so far. But transitioning to the Western Conference, let's start with the Las Vegas Aces. Uh, another team that had some big news coming into the season Becky Hammond, new coach for the, for the, uh, for the Las Vegas Aces, uh, first coach to actually make $1 million this, uh, which I think is, is huge as well. But Liz Cambridge is out. with. Uh, she signed with the LA Sparks in the offseason. So what are your thoughts on the Aces this season? And do you think they're contenders or pretenders?
1: Yeah, so been a big Becky Hammond fan for quite some time. Um, more on a personal note, she played at Colorado State University, um, where the town is in Fort Collins, Colorado, which is where I'm from. And so growing up, Becky was, you know, someone that was synonymous not just with Colorado State, but with women's basketball. Because, you know, you see her jersey hanging in the rafters. And then she went from an undrafted – undrafted didn't even get picked in the draft after setting, like, almost every single record at Colorado State to – um, becoming one of the top 25 players of all time within within the WNBA to gets on the Spurs staff, learns from arguably the greatest NBA coach of all time in Greg Popovich, and then now, like you said, first coach to make over a million dollars within the WNBA. It's like she just she loves proving people wrong. Um, and she her basketball IQ is like on a million, but she's better than that too. She's just a great, she's a great person, and she. I, I have full faith in her that she's going to figure out a way to um, win an, a WNBA champion, championship um, with this roster, because the roster is more than capable of winning a championship. You've got Kelsey Plum coming off uh, Sixth Woman of the Year. You've got Asia Wilson. She's hot off of an MVP like two seasons ago. Uh Derrika Hamby, speaking of six woman of the year, she's won that twice. Um now she's kind of in the starting unit. Um there's so many pieces on this team that are ex- exciting. Um and then, you know, we already talked about some of those picks getting waved, but if there's any team that's gonna wave some 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 top picks, it's this team because they've got a crap ton of talent. And so um I'm really interested to see what they do. I was really impressed with them against the storm. They're like actually shooting threes now, which is great to see. the The spacing is awesome, and uh, I'm excited for this team. So they lost against the Mystics um, yesterday. It was a it was a relatively close one through three quarters, um, but maybe that just shows you how good the Mystics are because they they kind of got under their skin, the first team to kind of do that. So, anyways. Excited for this team. I think the, sky's, the sky is the limit for, for this team. They've got a lot of the perfect pieces between the playing and the coaching staff, too.
0: I think it's interesting with the with the, uh, with the the Aces because they were a very strong offensive team last season, even coming into this year. Um, they scored 106 points against Phoenix. They shot the ball very well as a team. They shot 58% from the field, 45% from the field against the Seattle Storm, who were are going to get into – a little bit later the starting lineup across the board has been has been pretty consistent this season with Hamby and aja wilson uh getting into double digits in terms of scoring kelsey plum uh i think that she definitely will be a a great player this season a great three-point shooter for this team as well um i'm interested i'm interested to see where kirsten bell fits on this team because another top draft pick one of the top scorers in the country um in the, in the women's college basketball for Florida Gulf Coast, definitely put that team on the map, put them into the top 25. So I think from an identity perspective, she will fit in pretty quickly on this team with how, how efficiently she can score. Um, but the one thing that concerns me is their defense because they do allow a lot of points on the defensive side. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that defensively they're going to have to
1: prove themselves because we 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 see the offensive talent that they have. It's it's endless. Um as far as that goes, but I think if they can kind of I mean, we already talked about identity and how important that is, but I think if they can kind of develop a little bit of this mean streak to them, they'll that, that'll benefit them a little bit. I think that they do somewhat have it just being in Vegas already, but um Derek Hamby and Angel wilson if they can kind of anchor that defensive mindset um a lot of these players are capable but um i'd like to see what they have kind of coming off the bench and how many people step up in that regard i think kirsten bell as you mentioned before can be a great player coming off the bench um but that is if she she buys in to to what vegas is doing but um i i'm really interested to see what what this team does down the stretch because um Removing Liz Cambage from this team creates an entirely new identity because now you're not, you know, trying to get the ball into the post every single uh, possession. And uh, the spacing, like I already mentioned before, is a lot is a lot better uh, because of that. Um, but I have like what I've seen so far, specifically against the Storm. I just thought that they really stepped up. But a lot of personalities on this team um, – so sometimes that can be great. Sometimes that can be bad because if you lose a few games, um, you know, tension can kind of get hot because I know Kelsey Plum is very, very competitive. I know Asia Wilson's super competitive. Um, you want to make sure that there's good rapport. And the fact that they do have a good coaching staff doesn't, you know, it doesn't scare me that much that something like that would happen. Um, but I think that it's always possible whenever you have a talented team.
0: Yeah. And and it's it's an, it's an interesting scenario with um, the Las Vegas Aces because you know, you you remove one of your best players, you also remove the coach from last season Bill Ambeer, you bring in a new coach in Becky Hammond. Maybe that switch may have been the missing piece, like we said earlier with Connect with uh the Connecticut Sun, that may have been the missing piece for this team to get to the championship. Because you know, although they were unable to win the championship in 2020, it seems like they're so close to getting back there. It's just a matter of like, what, what do they need? What is their missing piece?
1: Right, right. Yeah. I, I think that, you know, with, with Liz, you know, not being on, the, on, on this team, you'll be able to judge that. It's like, what, was that holding them back, not just on the court, but then off the court? Because I think that was kind of the final straw. With this organization and liz is when becky came in and it was like she will be the first coach to make over a million dollars she had some comment that sometimes a little bit got taken out of context because i don't think she meant it against becky it just so happened that she was the new coach of faces but nevertheless it caused quite a bit of drama and so I think that there's going to be a little bit of this rivalry started uh, between the Aces and the Sparks. I'm excited to see them match up. Uh, I think even more than like the, the Sparks um, and the Sky, because I think a lot of people want that to be kind of this rivalry with Candace Parker being there. But I just, I don't know. I don't I don't see it being, Candace is like too successful for that to like affect her that much. She had a great career there. I, I think that's over and done. But this was bad blood the way that things left with Liz and, and, and the aces there, this wasn't on good terms whatsoever.
0: And so I think if they end up winning a
1: championship or something or get close to that or anything like that, like there's definitely going to be some comments made about, you know, Liz's traditional way of playing basketball. Um, so we'll see, we'll see what happens here, but I'm really excited
0: to see them match up. You know, that's, that's an interesting point that you made. Because I think there's definitely there's already history there with the Vegas with the with the Vegas Aces and the LA Sparks, but you take that that point that you made about uh, Liz Cambridge and the comments that she made about Becky Hammond before the season started. That's kind of like laying the groundwork for a rivalry, um, a potential rivalry in the making. So I think that's going that's going to be an interesting storyline to watch out uh, watch out for throughout the season. But speaking of the Sparks. Let's transition to them because this is a team that added a ton of talent. You talk about Liz. We talked about Liz Cambage already. Jordan Canada, Candy Carter, Lexi Brown. You you already have uh, Neneke Aguemike and Chine Aguemike to this team. You still you still have Britney Sykes, but with the additions that they made in the offseason, do you think that this team has a legitimate chance to? make the playoffs this season given what we've seen from this team last year
1: most definitely it's a it's it's a disappointment this season if they don't because what they've been lacking throughout these past few years really is that 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 talent the proven talent too because there's a difference between that and potential talent but like katie lou samuelson is a proven you know bet. i thought You know, she is a huge reason why the Storm had success last last season, and she's obviously had a tremendous amount of success at the collegiate level as well. So when she comes back, I think that'll be interesting to see as well. Um, But, you know, within these first two games, I think seeing Jordan Canada kind of have the success that she had too is awesome to see. Um, And then Liz had a dominating game, um, I think, two days ago now. So... I'm really excited to kind of see how this how this team does, because if they don't have success, I mean, Derek Fisher, there's no way that that he's going to be able to keep this job. I mean, he's already been a little bit on the hot seat, but like, you know, you're going to see a coaching change happen if they don't um, have success on someplace or don't even make it so really interested to see that because that's a storyline that's going to be prominent if they do lose. But another player that they got waves who I've, you know, they're somewhat not building around, but definitely had in the plans was Tia Cooper, um, you know, and not on the roster anymore. So that'll be interesting to see, like, if she gets picked up with anyone, um, you know, between now and then in the season, because that was really interesting. She had a, a few handful of really good games last season. Um, and she's a profitable per- profitable um player within this league as well. She's she's brought a lot of um Drado league because she has a great personality, um huge following on TikTok and Instagram, all this type of stuff, and like not on a roster now. So that was really interesting too.
0: Yeah, and she and she was a great player for the Sparks last season and she was she was one half of this great uh guard tandem with her and uh, Erica Wheeler, who's now with the Atlanta Dream, I think you know factoring both those releases in, I think they were both surprising because Erica Wheeler was somebody who who was able to lead the offense for the LA Sparks and you know be be a good you know point guard and uh be a good floor general to kind of orchestrate things on the floor, and then you know Tia Cooper, great shooting ability, and I think that was another surprising release, and it, it seemed like they swapped. They're two guards from last season with two new guards this season with Candy Carter and Lexi Brown. And I, I want to use a point that you made earlier with the Aces with the Sparks because there's a lot of big personalities on this team. You have Liz Cambage, you have Candy Carter. Um, you know, Jory Canada, I think, was a, a an underrated acquisition for the Sparks. And she, like I mentioned earlier with the Sky, she contributed to uh, the win in the first game of the season with those two late free throws that helped the Sparks defeat the Chicago Sky. But I want to use another point with the Sky uh, for this team as well, because I think it's about chemistry. It's about a lot of these new players buying into the scheme. And I think for Derek Fisher, this is a prove-it year for him, because you know this is a team that lost out, uh, they, they lost Candace Parker, they lost Chelsea Gray, two of their best players from the 2020 season sparks a franchise icon Um and now you replace you know those two players a couple years later with a couple of other good players in Jordan Canada Liz Cambage and Kennedy Carter Lexi Brown as well and then you have uh, Neneke and uh Chine Ogwamike on this team as well they have the talent to make some noise in the playoffs it's just about getting there
1: no I completely agree the t- the, the talent's there it's just kind of finding it completely. In it. And I think we're not, we're not completely out with the Liz Cambage drama because, like, I think that was, like, two or three years ago. I mean, two or three days ago, my bad. Was, um, it was released of, like, what she said before she left the Opals Australian team. And she told a teammate of hers who's also in the WNBA to go back to her third world country. And that was not good. And the Opal's head coach talked about it in in an interview and and said all of that and, you know, not, not, not a great look. And so I think like, if that continues to like be drama, say in post-game interviews, there's a lot of questions about it. It's just not, it's not a great look. So they're trying to kind of build around her from, from my understanding the way that I look at it, you know, kind of as like, this dominating force for years to come in the franchise and like to have that with you um, between that and like the whole Becky situation and then being L- being in LA obviously causes a tremendous amount of um, distractions. And then on top of that too, she's like kind of gotten this like weird image thing because of like the OnlyFans fans um, that she's doing as well. So it's like it's just this really weird position that she's in and it could it could go poorly if she can't either live up to all the drama that she causes or that affects the locker room then it's it's just not it's not going to end well.
0: Yeah, I think I think for for Liz she can either be one of the best players to be on the Los Angeles Sparks to play for the Los Angeles Sparks or one of the worst uh free agency signings. For the Los Angeles Sparks, it, it's a double-edged sword, but I think that this season will will tell us a lot about what what direction this team will go in. Because Liz is is the is the needle mover for this team. Her impact on both sides of the floor as an interior force down low. She can block shots. She can get the rebounds at a high at a high rate. There's so many things that she does well that. I think this team could benefit off of, especially with the with the fact that uh the Okamike sisters are both healthy and they're both playing this year. They both had a great opening weekend by the way um there's just a lot of moving pieces yep,
1: I completely agree, and it reminds me of another person that that went to l a um and dwight howard and that that ended very poorly, and his was more due to injury that season as well, but it just wasn't a fit it wasn't a mash when you have media like they do in LA and if you're not playing up to your standards or if you are causing drama, it gets magnified by like 10. Um, And so that'll be something to but I kind of see a little bit of a parallel um, with her and kind of the way that Dwight was at that point in his, his career, because they want to have fun and they are very talented players, but they, um, you know, cause some drama too. So um, I see a little bit of that, that comparison.
0: Yeah, it, it, it can go as well as Shaquille O'Neal's stint in Los Angeles or as bad as Dwight Howard's stint in Los Angeles I agree. In, the first, in the first four years. I agree. In the first couple of years. Um, so moving on to the Seattle Storm. And this is a team that had a strong start last year. They did not finish strong to close out the season. Eliminated in the second round with Brianna Stewart's injury. Um, this also might be Sue Bird's last year in the WNBA. So that's another thing to watch out for as well. But Seattle had a strong showing in their first game. They added some players to alleviate the pressure off of Sue Bird, Jewel Lloyd, and Brianna Stewart. Um, so it, it, an interesting comment that Sue Bird made about this team, she called this team the deepest team in the league with the amount of the talent that they've had. And it did acquire a lot of great players. But do you think that this team is the deepest team in the league? No, I, I, I don't. Um, you
1: know, and and, and Sue sue's the leader of this team she's she's a veteran and she tends to say kind of all the right things and it's it's good to to try and you know kind of create that identity for yourself um almost but um this is a team that is ran by their 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 big three which is so we already referenced which is dual lloyd brianna stewart and super and if the three of them are connected, and if they're playing well, this team is going to play, play well. But as you saw last year, if Brianna Stewart gets hurt, um, or if she's struggling, if she's not shooting the ball well, then it's going to be tough. If Joel Lloyd isn't shooting the ball well, it's going to be tough. If Sue Bird isn't um, productive, it's going to be tough. So it's ran by those three. And if they can get other people to, to step up, like – I think one of the most important people on their team is is uh, Stephanie Talbot. If if she can play well, then that's you know that adds to that adds to you know what they have. Um, but uh, I, th- I think she might be out for the entire season. I'm not I'm not sure. But as uh, Mercedes Russell, I think that's a that's a loss for sure um, for this team. Um, so we'll, we'll see what happens, um, with that. But yeah, it's completely ran by those three. If they can get other production and get other production, which is great. Um, but almost in a joking fashion, I don't know if you've seen this or not, but back in, um, in Australia in the NBL league, Lauren Jackson, one of the all time Seattle storm greats has been, is playing again, kind of came out of retirement it seems like a far-fetched idea that she'd ever be playing in the WNBA again. But um, I don't know. She looks really good in that league too. So that's other Seattle storm news though. But I don't know. I think that they're going to have some other people. I have to step up. They want to win a championship, but those three got to be like chemistry on a million, man. They got to be, they got to be vibing.
0: Yeah. And, and just a quick point about Lauren Jackson, one of the great centers in the WNBA. um, It would be a, it would be an interesting thought to see her back in Seattle, but not sure if it will happen right now. But you, know, you, you mentioned Mercedes Russell. She's out with a non-basketball-related injury. I think that you're looking for some consistency outside of the three players that we mentioned with Sue Bird, Joel Lloyd, and Brianna Stewart. I do want to uh, add a little bit more to uh, the quote that Sue Bird said about being the deepest team in the league on the on the eve of the opener. Uh Sue Bird argued the additions made the Storm the deepest team in the league. The second unit looked apart on Friday, carrying Seattle through a poor shooting first half for Brianna Stewart. She shot two of ten from the field. And with all three stars on the bench, the Storm rallied to tie the game in the second quarter. This is referencing the game against the Minnesota Lynx. And this is an article uh, from a from a Seattle newspaper on ESPN, just referencing some of the players that they added. They added Gabby Williams who's back in the WNBA. She did not play. She hasn't played since 2020. Breanne January, great addition from the Connecticut Sun. You also get Jontel Lavender to help with a scoring coming off the bench. Stephanie Talbot, another great player that you mentioned um, on this, on this team for the Seattle storm. Definitely have a lot of great players. I, I'm not sure if this team is the deepest team in the league, but they definitely have enough talent that, they are cha- they are a, they are a worthy championship caliber team.
1: Yeah, I agree. That's and it's nothing against them that I don't think that they're the deepest because I think that they can win a championship with what they have right now even not being quote-unquote the deepest because they've got you know some some great pieces. Um it'll be interesting to see how they potentially go out. If this is Subert's last season, like, if they end up making a championship run um or getting close there, maybe they lose um you know on a last second buzzer beater or something like that, like does super come back? you know it's like that's a really sore way to end your career um you know we've already seen that whole mess with you know Tom Brady so close to winning another one, and then you know am I retired, am I not you know. Sue Bird, it kind of seems like she's going with that now. She was pretty adamant, like, this was going to be her last season last year. And then, like, the fans kind of pulled her back. And now she's not even saying definitively that this is her last season. So, and she's looking really good so far, too. Like, she looks like Sue Bird has the past, like, five years. So, she doesn't really change. So, it's not a really matter of, like, production-wise. Like, she she looks great. Um, So, I'll be interested to kind of see, like, if that holds up or not. Because this team... Is definitely playoff worthy, and they can make a championship run if they if they peak at the right time.
0: Yeah, she's a she's a franchise icon for this team. One of the greatest players in WNBA history. One of the greatest point guards in WNBA history. I I'm interested to see if she comes back after this season. Like, is this season really the last season, or is she just like saying it? You know, we thought the same thing for uh, you know, Sylvia Fowles. Was this her last season? Um, and we'll, we'll kind of transition to that now? Actually, because talking about the Minnesota Lynx, the Sil- uh, Sylvia Fowles could be suiting up for her last se- potentially her last season. But you also look at the Minnesota Lynx as a team; they're playing without Nafisa Collier, along with a couple of other players. Uh, Kayla McBride is out. Angel McCautry is out. Demiris Dantas is out as well. You know, after watching the first three games of the season, but also seeing how last year they started zero and three. And they also made the playoffs. Is this a time that we should hit the panic button on the Minnesota Lynx? Well, before
1: they ended up going 0 3 in these first three games, they made probably like the most controversial decision before the season started um, that's completely placed on Michelle Reeve, who is the head coach and and the GM. They let go of um crystal dangerfield who we le- who we mentioned um earlier in the in the podcast um who yesterday funny enough um because she got signed with uh with Indiana ended up you know putting up 10 points and six assists in limited minutes and then had the two clutch free throws to pretty much win the game against her former team um, and like we already mentioned before, she was the rookie of the year just two seasons ago. So you could already make the argument that that was a monumental uh, mishap by by this franchise to to not uh, keep her because she's a great piece. And then also another person that they waived was Leja Clarendon, who another argument to be made: she really ended up saving this team last season. They picked her up from free agency, and she turned a lot of things around, just defensively. And she was just kind of this glue, this glue to the team. Um, she was really, really important. And uh, then she got injured, and that was a huge reason why they didn't end up um, having her on this roster. But I, I saw her in the preseason game. She started in the preseason game against the Aces, and she looked fine to me. Nothing. Nothing like really bad or anything like that, and so kind of with that mindset going into the season. And these were also two people in Crystal and Lasia that have a lot of rapport within the team too. And I think that they're glue people, not just because of their ability to play the game at a high level, but they've got great personalities. And um, I just don't think that necessarily bodes well going into a season when you when you let when you let two players like Lasia. And Crystal Go, I just don't, I don't think that that causes like a really good start to the season because people are going to feel the way that they do. Um, so that that's that's a tough way to get things going. And then on top of that, you've got Nephesa year, which is arguably your best player besides maybe Sylvia. She's pregnant right now, and so then that takes up a roster spot because she's still on her pay and everything like that. And I'm glad that she's still, you know that she can go through her pregnancy and still get paid by this organization. But at the same time, you've got limited roster spots in this league. So then that may be causes some drama. I don't know. Um, and then Kayla McBride is still fulfilling her overseas commitment. Who's probably the third best player on the team, probably the best shooter, most consistent shooter on this team. Really weird. And then now you've got Rachel Banham, who's kind of just playing point guard on this team. And she's really more of like a two or three in my eyes. Um, there's not much chemistry on this team as of right now. They don't have an identity in comparison to last year. And probably, like, the biggest wild card on this team, um, who we've mentioned just a little bit uh, before when we were talking mate, potential uh, uh, trade trade talks is um, Ariel Powers. She can either be... Incredibly hot if she if she's feeling it or she can be super cold. And right now she's super cold. Through three games she's shooting twenty percent um for field goal percentage and even lower than that with her three point percentage. So she's just completely struggling. Um all this in a roundabout way, really long answer, I know of saying this team is a mess right now. Um I don't know what they're gonna do to figure it out, but starting to out over three, and then your last loss being against, like I said, the player that you waived and probably one of the worst teams in the past past two seasons, um, and, and, and the fever to, to lose to them, it's, it's just not a good look. So it'll be interesting to see how the season goes because like you kind of started this conversation off with, this is Sylvia's last season. That is a definitive thing. I, I'd like to see her go out on a, on a good note.
0: The thing that's worrying me about the Lynx right now is that they're not going to be able to turn it around um, after a bad start to the season. Last year, they were able to turn it around. They actually acquired Leisure Clarendon, but she was able to come in, turn things around pretty quickly. And there was actually a stat where with Leisure Clarendon on the floor, this team was not losing a lot of games, especially early in the season. And, I thought it was an impressive turnaround uh, for this team. But again, another another weird situation that she was let go by this team because she's been a great point guard, um, somebody who's been consistent on the floor. And then you look at Crystal Dangerfield, another shock release from this team because she was entering her third year, even though she came off of a, a bad year last year. Still feel like there's more in the tank with her. And for for her to go to Indiana... Another young team. I'm interested to see interested to see what she can provide more to the Indiana Fever, especially with how they're integrating these younger players on this team. Um, a lot of the draft picks, like we mentioned, with uh, Melissa Smith, uh, Emily Engsler, Lexi Hall, a couple of those players, Destiny Henderson, another one. Interested, interested to see where Crystal Dangerfield fits on this team. You know, you look at their first game, Against the Seattle Storm, they shot 39% from the field. You look at their second game against the Mystics, they shot just under 35% from the field. And both times, they've been unable to score over 75 points. So this is an offense that right now is struggling. You also have to factor in some of the injuries um, with Dantas and McCautry out with injuries as well. Kayla McBride's fulfilling an overseas commitment. Things just aren't clicking right now, but maybe this is an overreaction because they were able to turn it around last year. Interesting to see if they'll be able to turn it around again this year.
1: Yeah, I'm I, I'm really um, excited to to see what does happen. A lot of people are already kind of like speculating that they're tanking so that um, they can draft Boston um, in in the in the next draft and kind of fulfill the role that. Sylvia Fowles has been playing for this franchise. Who knows? But um, Sylvia Fowles so far just absolutely killing it this season. Um, there's really no sign of her slowing now She's still like in just this great, great form um, as as of right now. So uh, you know, yesterday she she dropped twenty six and fourteen. I mean, she's she's getting looks, um, but we're going to uh, obviously there's going to have to be more support for her if they want to win some games. But um, it's, it's it's always kind of been weird to me because she dominated last season too. It's like, you're going to go out when you're still this good. So that's what it seems like. But, but man, uh, she's as of right now, it looks like she could at least play another four to five years.
0: Yeah, and I, I definitely would love to see her more in, in the league more because of how dominant she was as a center. But I think the idea of Minnesota tanking for Aaliyah Boston, you know, you have a player like Aaliyah Boston who who is a franchise changing player. Um but she's one of the best players coming out of college basketball. Arguably would have been the number one overall pick this year. But I, I just think I think Minnesota isn't is in a in kind of a void right now, like I'm not hundred percent sure if they're a playoff contending team right now, given you know the the talent acquired from a team like Los Angeles, you know you look at the potential of a team like the Indiana fever Atlanta has a direction as well. Not really sure where Minnesota fits right now. not really sure if they're a playoff caliber team right now either.
1: yeah, it's kind of it's funny that you bring that up because I think that there's just a tremendous amount of dysfunction whether we talk about, you know, the whole Dangerfield-Lasia situation. Um, but then the people that they end up do picking up, I thought was interesting, too. Um, they picked up Odyssey Sims, who I think most recently was on the Atlanta Dream. And then uh, they they pick her up, and she was on the Links for a few seasons um, prior to this. And then in the first game, I was like kind of just like, okay, well, why would they – might they pick her up? Maybe there's you know a void that she can fill within the offense, and she checks into the game and gave okay okay minutes, and she went to the bench right away, and she started throwing up in the in the, in the trash can, and I'm like, that's not a great sign. If you know if you're waving players and then you're picking up someone like Odyssey Sims who didn't even go through your training camp and she's throwing up. Um, for whatever reason, and then um I went to the opening game and she she actually played pretty well and then last night she she ends up not playing for quote unquote personal matters uh family matters i don't know exactly what it is it hasn't been released exactly what's going on i, I mean I wish her the best if there is something like that but it's just not a great start for for the links' it's just uh, just a lot of dysfunction going on and so We'll we'll see what happens, but this is really early to for for this to be going on um, for this franchise because it's one of the winningest franchises in WNBA history, and with the winningest one of the winningest coaches, so weird to kind of see this happening.
0: Yeah, and a point that you mentioned earlier with uh, Rachel Bandom, it's interesting because you're right; she is a forward playing point guard, and I don't think she's she's really you know fit for that role and that's where Crystal Dangerfield or, or Laser Corrending comes in because they're that essential point guard that you need to run an offense. They arguably don't have one right now. And, you know, to have Rachel fulfilling that role is, is is weird. But again, still early in the season, maybe it'll work out toward the end of the season. But there's a lot of questionable things happening right now with the Minnesota Lynx. They're very uncharacteristic of them. Moving on to the Phoenix Mercury, Phoenix has a strong off season this year with the additions of Tina Charles and diamond DeShields, shields, two great players in this league. They have a new coach in Vanessa Nygaard. They're coming off of a finals appearance, but they're playing without Brittany Griner. Do you think that this team can match the success of last year's team? It's tough because your identity completely changes when
1: Griner isn't there. Um, it's tough to make any definitive statements as we've already talked about this early in the season. Um, but they definitely looked a lot, a lot different in, in their first game against the aces and um, Diana Taurasi struggled from outside. Um, we see that their identity is morphing a little bit into something new with Tina Charles now being on the squad Um so it's interesting to kind of see like what what that's going to be, but the biggest question that this franchise has right now is is if Brittany Griner is going to come back this season, and all twelve teams are putting you know BG forty two on on the courts. And my mindset, as soon as I started seeing all this, is like, man, people that are inside the organization right now do they know something that we don't? Do we know that this is going to be something that's going to last the entire season? Because when you start doing stuff like that, you start putting things on, on the court that kind of, cause they wouldn't be doing that if she was coming back next week. That's just the way it is. And so I think if they don't have Griner, that, that changes my mindset for this team because she played so well last, last season. Um, and I just, she's just such a big part of this team. Um, and probably the best player on this team too, because Tarazi's just she's gotten quite a bit older. Um, but yeah, she's definitely the best player on this on this team in my mindset, and she does so well to pass out of the post. And last year in the playoffs, she really just carved the defenses apart, especially when uh Sophie Cunningham started making shots too, because you could pass to her and, and as soon as she started started making a few shots, and they they doubled down on her, you had. Tarazi Diggins Diggins Smith and Cunningham as your options to pass to and they were just money and now you've got Tina Charles in that mix too that can hit from outside or you know you can dump it down to her in the post that's super scary so your entire scheme just changes completely without Griner in that because Tina Charles is a dominant player but she's different she's she is back to basket, but she prefers fadeaway. She's not the same dominating presence that the Griner is. So if they don't have her, I don't, I don't necessarily see a championship run.
0: My fear is that this team, this team does not live up to the expectations of last year's team. Remember, last year they were the fifth seed in the in the WNBA standings, and they make the the WNBA championship that year. It looks like Brianna Turner is going to be taking most of the load, the scoring load, uh, and replacing Brittany Griner. But Brittany Griner is an iconic player for this team. She's been around since 2013, and she's one of the greatest centers of all time. With, with how dominating she is on both sides of the floor, great inside scorer. She could pass out of the post, like you mentioned earlier. Dominant shot blocker as well. I'm a little... Concerned if Brianna Turner is going to fulfill that role um, as a dominant rim protecting scorer, much like Brittany Griner was for the Phoenix, for the Phoenix Mercury. And you know a point that you made with Tina Charles, Tina Charles and Brittany Griner are two completely different players. And uh, if you look at you know her her game along with Diana Taurasi uh, in the first game of the season against the Aces, they were a combined eight of twenty seven shooting from the field in that game and that put a lot of the scoring load on Skylar Diggins-Smith who had 25 points in the first game but it just seemed like Brittany griner not being there has created a gap in in Phoenix's defensive scheme that I'm I'm not sure that Brianna Turner is going to be able to fill the role of Brittany Griner.
1: No, I completely agree. It's 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 going to be tough. Um and I think something else to, to mention too is like, you're talking about people that are iconic to the franchise. You can make an argument that like Sandy Brondello is like one of the most iconic people to this franchise too, just the way with, with her coaching. I think that kind of like went under undervalued as like, all right, well, you didn't win a championship last year. So let's get out of here. Like the season was like this mess. It was like, no, they, they almost won a championship with a coach that's proven to win and we've already seen her make a huge impact on this new york liberty franchise as well so they bring in a coach that's never been a head coach at the at the wmba at the wmba level um and nygaard and so the the verdict's out there too it's like can she bring this team to a championship but it's not this proven coach um i would definitely feel a lot more confident with um with rondello on my staff in that regard. But tonight's going to be a huge test. I'm really excited to watch it. It's uh, kind of the oldest rivalry or most recent rivalry you could say too, um, between the Mercury and the storm with, you know, Tarazi and Sue Bird, the two like quote unquote goats of this league going at it. So this will be a great test for them. I like to see how they recover from that ACEs losses. And uh, this will say say a lot about them um, early in the season.
0: Yeah. And, we have to factor in as well. Diamond De Shields missing missing time with the Mercury because of her overseas commitment. Um, that's another player that I think can can uh, be a great defender for this team, given what she was able to do for, uh, or given given what she was able to provide for the Chicago Sky in their championship winning season. Very interested to see what Vanessa Nygaard is able to accomplish as a coach. Is she able to? Live up to the legacy of Sandy Brondello in Phoenix. Again, a lot of questions with this team, but I think, you know, it, it, it's going to take some time for Phoenix to really gel as a team, especially with these newer players and Tina Charles and, and Diamond, Diamond DeShields coming over. Again, interesting to see right now. Another interesting storyline for the WNBA this season. But closing out this episode with our last team that we talk about the Dallas Wings. And this was actually one of Jalen's favorite teams last year. This was a team that was interesting last year with a lot of young players. You know, they drafted Charlie Collier and Awok Quier, uh with the first and second overall picks um, last season in the, in the WNBA draft. And, you know, they had a lot of trouble winning close games. They always found themselves in close games, but they really, they just were not able to close it out in a lot of those games but they were able to make their way into the playoffs behind the play of Arike Gumbuale, Marina Mabry as well. She was great for this team last year. What do you think their ceiling is this season?
1: This this is a middle-of-the-pack team. You, you could argue between anywhere between that five to maybe eight, eight seed. Um, that... If they make the playoffs, they're kind of a dark horse. I I, I could see. I really like the draft pick of Veronica Burton. She's just a a great defender that also you know has capabilities to shoot it. Um, so far we haven't seen a tremendous amount of her in the in these first two games. Um, as far as like her potential ceiling, um, but she she's definitely a good player, and I thought it was a it was a great pickup for 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 this um franchise. But I think most notably. Is uh, Mabry, who you who you mentioned prior, like this is someone in this league that's consistently gotten better every season, and probably one of the best, if not the best, three point shooter in this league. Just if they get, if she gets hot, it's pretty scary. And so between Mabry, and then Arike, um once she starts playing, again. That's going to be huge. And then you factor in uh, Isabel Harrison as well, who's started out the this season incredibly hot with uh, 18 points per game, eight rebounds per game, two blocks a game. She's playing really well. And um, I think those three you get that core going, and then some of the younger pieces um, going as well, such as, you know, who's someone I mentioned, like R- Veronica Burton. Um got Alicia Gray going as well. This team could be deadly like if they peak at the right time. Um so yeah, like middle of the pack you're gonna see throughout the regular season, I think, but like they're totally a dark dark horse. Um if they if they peak at the right time.
0: I think it's interesting too to point out uh Satu Sabali missing time right now. She's overseas Tierra McCowan. Um I, I think she's gonna be a an underrated acquisition because she was a double-double machine with uh, the Indiana Fever and a great player that could get re- a rebound at a higher rate. She, she's another interior force down low, a, gr- a great interior scorer uh, down low. And, you know, you mentioned Marina Mabry. She had 20 points. Uh, she shot 8 of 16 from the field in their first game, one of the bright spots um, for Dallas uh, in their loss to the Atlanta Dream. And speaking of that loss, I mean, this is a team that just struggled – throughout the game, getting open looks and shooting efficiently. They shot 24% from the field. And again, I think that's more of a credit to Atlanta with their defensive scheme and how they were able to to contain Dallas' offense. But, you know, I have to agree with you in the the sense that um, this could be a dark horse team when they make the playoffs. I mean, last year we kind of saw a glimpse of how good they could be. This year, I think, you know, with the addition of Tierra McCallum and you know, having Isabel Harrison as as a starting center as well because she had a great season last year, and then you you factor in some of these other rookies like uh, Burton. And you also add uh, uh, Jasmine Dickey, a uh, great great scorer coming out of the University of Delaware. There's definitely This this is definitely another team that I think could make some noise in the playoffs.
1: I completely agree, and a lot of that's going to be predicated on when Enrique comes back how much the offense is, is ran through her and how successful she has um because to be completely honest with you Riga is someone that has an MVP season on board if everything goes right and I think if they if she does really figure things out because this is her this is her team and with the success that she had in college and I think with how high this franchise is on her she, she could have a really, really big season here coming up. She's, you know, she's in the prime of her career and, um, you know, she can have a great season and um, all the other young pieces kind of come on board as well. And, and, and benefit from that. I think that this, this is a team, like I said, they, they can make a playoff run um, if everything kind of come comes together.
0: Yeah. And I, I think Enrique you know, with her scoring ability she's she's definitely another another needle mover for this team and I think you know she's able to to, to score at a high rate shoot the ball efficiently this team's going to win a lot of games I hope that um, last year with you know with, with their with their struggles to win close games hopefully this year they can get it right and win a lot of these close games because yeah this this is a team that has that capability with the amount of talent that they have a lot of the younger players, and a couple of these other veterans, you know, they, they had the opportunity to really make an impact this year and uh, and make their presence felt this year in the WBA.
1: I completely agree. Um, you know, the both of us are on the same page with a
0: lot of these, but um, completely right on with that. <laughs> All right. So that's actually the last uh, team that we um, are talking about for this episode and that's actually going to wrap things up for us here for this episode. Carson, this is the part of the podcast where I will throw it to you to promote any work that you have and and where we can find you on social media.
1: Right. I mean, as of right now, we've completely on board with the the WNBA as mentioned earlier on the podcast at WNBA fans only um can find me on Instagram and and Twitter and just trying to do my best to obviously highlight, you know, some of the big and notable things that are happening in this league. But also a big thing for me is like, you know, the players that maybe don't get as much, as, as much love, trying to highlight them, them too. When, when, you know, players that go out that maybe are rookies, like we, we talked about, uh, Shakira Austin, um, you know, she, she comes out in her second game of her career and has a double double. You know highlighting players like that that ESPN is probably gonna neglect um, and not talk about um, that's my goal with 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 this page and continuing to expand it and um, get people involved with this this league because the sky is the limit and you can really feel it if you've been paying attention to this league, which you which you have just with like the expansion and stuff like we're getting there um, so yeah. Uh, in short follow the page and i love talking hoops just like i did today with ryan um and i'm always down to talk and direct messages or whatever i'll take a phone call any time of the day if if, if we're talking hoops so um feel free to connect with me um and in that regard but man this was a lot of fun you do you guys do a great job just i i texted you guys last night like I was looking at these questions beforehand I'm like man these are these are sweet so you always do a good job prepping for guests and I know how hard that 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 can be but I just appreciate you guys having me on and the fact that we got to chat again
0: well I'm great I'm grateful you were able to come back um, you know it was, this was definitely a couple months in the making we've been trying to get you on for a while yeah and transitioning to our question of the day for our fans which team do you think can make the most noise in the WNBA season, whether it's a team that was one of the worst teams last year or one of the best teams last year going into this year? Definitely want to thank our guest, Carson Hewley, for joining me uh, to, dis- discuss, to discuss to some WNBA basketball. Not the last time that we're going to see him here on the Hoop Talk pod. Uh, we're going to definitely try to get him back on to discuss more WNBA topics because, A lot of these storylines that we talked about in this episode are going to be recurring storylines throughout the season. This has been a great episode today on the Hoop Talk podcast, of course. Make sure when you subscribe to us on Apple, you rate our podcast five stars and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. We will see you guys next episode.